God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Welcome, everybody, to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. I'm Bob Schneider, and this is Clint Wells, even though you've already heard that because I just said it, but I said it years ago, but now I'm saying it in the present, which is Thursday, whatever the fuck day it is. And welcome. And, uh, Dude, we're super excited because we're in just a couple days. If you're in Austin, Texas, you will be able to, starting today, well, starting yesterday, actually, you will be able to get a hot, one of the hottest tickets in town, a live podcast event. The very first one. We were supposed to do one last year, and now, finally, historically, over a year later, the first live recording of an IOK podcast is happening at the Saxon pub this Monday, nine 30, get your tickets while you still can. I mean, it's going to sell out. It's going to sell out. It's exciting. It's going to be me and you together on stage in person doing the podcast. You're going to get to sit right in front of us and watch it all unfold. The podcast that you lovingly listen to every week, um, will be unfolding right before your very eyes. And, the tickets, you can find a link to buy them on all of our socials and on Bob's socials. You know what to do. You know where to go. But there's a link. You buy your tickets. They're 10 to 15 bucks, which is pretty cheap. And uh, depending on, I guess, how close the table is that you want, it will definitely sell out. And I'm excited because here's what excites me about it. Let's say it goes well. Here are the options of how it's going to go. It's either going to go great or it's going to be better than great. Right. So those are the two options. So what if we were able to even do something like this once every couple of months? Or what if we were able to go do one in New York? Like, this might be a fun thing we can do. And the uh, beta test is right in your beloved hometown of Austin, Texas. My second home for many years. And I'm excited. It's going to be a good time. Will, will, we be, will we be wearing bolo ties? I don't know. It's not off the table. Will we be wearing 10-gallon hats? Maybe. All right. Here's what I have. And what I don't have, I don't have a bolo tie. I used to, don't have one anymore. What happened to it? I cleaned cleaned house at some point, and obviously, I, I was like, I don't have a room in my house for a string. Did it crawl up into your hiney? I mean, like a little mouse rat. Did I push it up into my hiney one night while I was getting jiggy with it? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> I actually, I don't know what happened to it. I threw it out. I'm sure I threw it. At some point I was like, I better throw this, you know, like an alcoholic when he, when he has one of those, I'm like, I'm not going to drink anymore. And he starts throwing out his, his hidden flasks of alcohol. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. At one point I saw the bolo and I was like, I better throw this out in case I get a wild hair and want to wear a bolo out somewhere. So I did it for my own protection. Right. But I do have a 10-gallon hat. It's a preacher hat. And uh, I won't be wearing it because I've never worn it. I bought it. It's a real $250 hat. Never worn it outside of my house. Uh, except on Halloween, I wore one. But you've time. worn it inside the house and looked in the old mirror to try to see if you're if, if it's if it's happening. If it's a happening. I put it on I put it on many times with the idea that I was going to wear it to a performance and then thought otherwise and it's too expensive to throw out unlike the bolo tie which was you know probably 19 dollars. bolo tie was a big part of my childhood because my all my uncles and grandparents that was a big it was a big part of their fashion in the 80s and 90s 
as old country guitar slinging, Hank Williams loving, ruthless Montgomery, Alabama motherfuckers. They all had that bolo tie that would catch the sun and splinter into a thousand golden rays of sunshine. As an accoutrement to their bolo ties, did they also have a chain that was fast tuned to one of their uh, belt loops and then dangled down around their pocket and then was attached to a wallet perhaps in their back pocket. No, that by the time the early nineties was happening, that was really more of an aesthetic of like a skater kid. Um, that was like a Southern California punk thing, but they did have pocket watches, but the chain wallet by the early nineties was actually more of a punk rock thing. Well, I, I wore the shit out of that. I had the chain wallet, the whole deal was it the eighties was it the eighties when it, it for was a while the, that was the nineties for me ninety ninety one but I'm talking about a, a different thing where it was it was the nose ring that was a chain all the way to the ear remember that thing I don't remember that remember the movie weird science yeah it was in that movie weird science when when all the gang guys show up the ball guy that was in the hills have eyes the West Craven films it was a nose ring that had a chain that would go across your cheek and connect to the your earlobe. Well, I know that's a Bollywood thing. Like, that's women who are getting married. That's like a big thing in India to wear one of those. I only know that because I watch a lot of Bollywood films. And usually when they're doing the wedding ceremony, they have a very serious chain coming off their nose to their ear. Here's the analogy of a Bollywood film. A Bollywood film is like... Here's an American... All right, let me just start by putting it this way. Here's an American film. What do you want? Uh, I'll, I'll take a steak dinner. Okay, here you go. Here's your steak dinner. That's your American film. You know what? Let me take that back. I would like a salad, please. Oh, here you go. Here's your, here's your film. Here's your salad film. You know what? I would like, I'm feeling a bit of a sweet tooth. Give me a, a piece of cheesecake. Oh, here's your film. Cheesecake. Uh, you know what? On second thought, I'm feeling healthy. Give me some no butter popcorn, no salt. Here you go. Here's your movie. No butter, no popcorn, salt. Uh, those are your American movie choices. Now you go, you know what? Give me a Bollywood film. Guess what's on your, guess what's on your tray? What's on the tray? Unsalted, unsalted popcorn cheesecake, salad, steak, eggs, breakfast cereal, caviar, runny sausage, um, sushi, and jello. So you get a you get a lot of variety. You get everything. You get everything, dude. You think you're watching one thing and then oh no, you've got it all. Everything's coming at some point. Dude, Bollywood films are the best. The best Bollywood films are the best movies of all time. What's the one for me to check out? What's the best Bollywood film? Dude, they all have names like Gaga Gula. I don't know. I, <laughs> oh, I really, God. I couldn't tell you. They're all okay. like Tabul or La La Lang, whatever they are. They're all, it's, but they're all just say like, look up 10 best Bollywood films and then don't watch anything before 1985. Only watch from 1985 through now. I wonder if you have seen these. These are the, these are the 10 best Bollywood films of all time. 
that opened the doors to some of cinema's most spectacular films, Diwali Dilhuania Le Lachinge. <laughs> All right. Can I once again be right? There's one called Queen. Ekladiki Kodeka to Asia Laga. That's number three. One's called Three Idiots. Cholet. Any of these ringing a bell? Mother India. All the ones that have the names that I said, I've probably already seen. Megul Ayazam. The Lunchbox. Paisa. Lagan. That one's on. Oh, some of these are on Netflix. All right. I, I'm going to check one of these out. I've never seen one. Don't watch the super old ones. They're, you know, like, you know how, like, with American films, they're like, Oh yeah, this film from like 1945 is like a hundred on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, that shit's yeah. boring. Yeah, and the same with the Indian films. Don't watch a black and white Indian film. This Mother India looks interesting. It's Mehboob Khan's choice to remake his 1940 feature film of the same concept proved to be worth the 17 year investment. Now a hit musical drama, Mother India follows the plights of a single mother as she struggles to raise her two sons despite their poverty. That sounds not chill don't watch anything that's not from the 90s or the 2000s okay in fact i would even say don't watch anything pre-2000 because what you're gonna get in the last 20 years of like big bollywood films is the music is so amazing like you'll you'll just appreciate the music and the dance numbers like just that alone is going to be incredible I'll I'll I'll, this, I'll I'll send you some well this one looks good the first one Dilwale Dilhonia late Jayinj is uh which is the big hearted will take the br- the bride follows one man's quest to win over the hand of a woman he meets by chance on a trip to Europe the only trouble is her father has already arranged for her to marry someone else yeah yeah there you go that's 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 the chef's kiss of Bollywood films cuz okay. there's going to be a big wedding scene that's going to be incredible there's going to be the because here's what it is it's a rom-com it's also going to be a suspense there's probably going to be a murder in there there's probably going to be some wacky hijinks there's probably going to be a chase scene there's probably going to be a weird scene in there where like all of a sudden everybody's dressed in like science fiction costumes for no reason (laughs) like it's just it's amazing dude you'll be like what that sounds pretty fun oh it's so good so good uh, on one of Brett Easton latest podcasts, he's talking about how ba- he's talking with Ben Fritz, who wrote a really good uh, book about the film industry called The Big Picture. I recommend it. And uh, he basically is saying like, um, cinema was a hundred year experiment that is basically over. I mean, like films are basically over now. People are still making them, but they're just not a part of like the conversation anymore. It's kind of like the novel. Like the no- how long has the novel been dead? you know, as, as part of like an actual conversation piece in culture. No one talks about novels. No one talks about really films anymore. Everyone talks about television shows. And that made me sad. It made me sad to think that that might be true. But then it just becomes old man screaming on his lawn about shit because the world doesn't care. It is kind of weird to think about. Like, I mean, at some point, everybody was like, oh, have you heard about, have you heard the newest symphony by Mozart? And then after a while, people were like, Oh, you know, nobody's talking about fucking symphonies anymore. Like in the early 1900s, they're just talking about this big band shit. And then, you know, there were some dudes going, what are you talking about, man? That shit's going to be around forever. And of course it is around forever. It's always going to be around. All those novels and films are always going to be around forever. But mainstream culture doesn't give a fuck about Beethoven or Mozart or fucking 
I'm trying to think of a of an author, and I can't think of a single author. I, Upton Sinclair. That's the only thing I can think of was Upton Sinclair or Steinbeck, you know, or yeah, like any great American novelist. Dude, now I'm thinking of a thousand. I could think of a thousand now. Norman Mailer, et cetera. So, Kurt Vonnegut, <laughs> William Faulkner, Flannery O'Connor, Hemingway, T.S. Eliot, Ezra Pound, T.S. Eliot, Henry Miller. Did he write? Did he write a novel, T.S. Eliot? He wrote no. Well, he wrote The Wasteland. I'm talking about poets too. I mean, just writers, people who write shit, and you know what they write, and you're into it. You know? Oh, dude, dude how about me calling? How about me calling you out on T.S. Eliot? Says more about you than me, but Dude, that's fine. Can't get can't get went by the schnid. Well, the thing I wanted to say was like you're exactly right. It's anytime Brady Sinless or somebody makes a statement like that, or anytime Gene Simmons says that rock bands are dead, there's always someone on the internet going, "Well, have you heard Greta Van Fleet?" Or someone going, "Well, but uh, Scorsese still made The Irishman." Yes, people are still making movies. People are still writing novels. And people are still forming rock bands. What they mean is that it's just as a cultural... Like, dude, think about the Talking Heads and David Byrne. Would anyone care about that now? To go see these quirky, nerdy, white people play quirky, white, funk world music with quirky, weird lyrics about existence? No fucking way. And they were a real band. Like, that chick bass player was married to the... Like, they were a real band. That wasn't really just a David Byrne machine, which it became... But Talking Head 77, that's a, like, they're kind of like a punk band. I mean, people go see all kinds of shit. I mean, Travis Scott is the biggest, probably the biggest musical artist alive right now. He just sold out this Astroworld concert in Houston that's coming up. Tickets were like 300 and something dollars a piece. He sold like 80,000 tickets in five minutes. And his music's this. Yeah. I'm uh quit trying to be. I mean, I'm, I can't even do it. It's which not artist? Good. What's the artist? It's not good. Travis Scott. Oh, I don't even know his stuff. I mean, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Is it as good as Talking Heads? No, but is it culturally right now? Is it my son's favorite band? Who's sixteen? Yes, it's his favorite artist. Is his favorite artist Talking Heads? No. I mean, you were more. Um, aware of this when it was going down what was what were talking head fans like who were they was it white people was it young people who were talking heads fans what were they like when it was all going down in in 85 i mean i don't know i i liked i liked i liked them in the 80s when i was in college that's when i was listening to them college kids i imagine it was college kids or I I don't know. I mean that I, that's who I was when I was listening to them. I was a college kid. Like I think about that now too. I'm like who who are the fans of Wilco now? It's like people my age. It's like people in their late 30s, early 40s who thought Wilco was really special 20 years ago. Dude, I just listened to uh Jeff Tweedy's interview with Ezra Klein. I love his interviews. By the way, this is what I would look like without like you can see me now. This is what I would look like. You look good. See, no, that's such a bad look, dude. That is such a bad look. It's not. Oh it my looks god! Good. I think it looks no. good. Jesus Christ! 
Uh, so much better. We're, for those of you who can't see, which by the way, you can see videos of most of our episodes. Uh, if you join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash IOK, just the letters I-O-K. I just, I just showed people my shoulders and it was... I'm it wearing was, a basketball I've jersey. immediately felt bad about it. And Bob rolled his sleeves up. So uh, did, how many orgasms just happened out there in the world? I don't know, 25, 35 orgasms. Ugh, that's so fucking gross. If somebody saw this pasty whale arm of mine, this one right here, this pasty fucking great white Moby Dick, like <laughs> if that shit popped out of the ocean and a fucking fisherman was nearby, he'd be like, he'd harpoon it. <laughs> Where's me harpoon? I must get me some of that white meat. I think you need Anyways. to embrace your beautiful self, dude. That's what I do. Dude, I wish I could embrace my beautiful self. God damn it. That would be so nice. Just decide to. Just try it for fun. Just to I do try, something I, Dude, I tried it for a while. I was doing the thing where I was looking in the mirror and saying, you're beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I tried I it. That. I tried it. Oh, so hard. But that's, don't look in the mirror and say stuff to yourself. Just start doing it. I don't look in the mirror. Fuck the mirror. Uh, Gross. I, w- I wish I could, dude. I want to. People are attracted to it it's weird even just talking about it right now i'm like i am like opposed to it in a way that's that's weird like even now just talking about it, i'm like oh, i want to talk about something else yeah well we can no no i'm fine with i mean it's good to talk about things that are uncomfortable but i'm just letting you know that my the feeling i'm having is like uh get away from this because this is remember this how is, uh, remember how when you got into a plane crash and for a while you were scared to fly for <laughs> for good reason you almost died in a plane. And remember how the therapy you did, it was like almost like aversion therapy where you would buy the ticket, then you would drive to the airport, then you'd get to the terminal, then you'd get on the plane, but you'd get off the plane, then you finally would take the 30-minute flight to Houston. Here's what I recommend doing. And this is what I did. And it was scary the first time I did it. I'm wearing a basketball jersey with no shirt on. And uh, I was going to go to a friend's house where it was going to be safe for me to look like this because they were going to, think it was ironic and funny and laugh at me, but also love me. Got in my car, got halfway there, realized, uh uh-oh, daddy's almost out of gas. Now, what does that mean? That means in in East Nashville, a very hip place, I had to get out wearing this and be in a public place where cool people might see me. And I had a decision to make. You know, I was going to run out of gas. I had to face it and do this. This was no longer just going to be a little joke with my buddies because it's obviously not something I'd wear, because I'm not an athlete. I just went in and did it. I paid for my fucking gas. I got a Red Bull. I stood at the pump and pumped my gas looking like this, and I was like, fuck it. It felt good, and it's really comfortable. I usually wear the sweet shield in the summer, which means jackets and stuff, and guess what? That's uncomfortable. And you probably fit right in. I I, I just had no care of it. All I cared about was that I'm me. I'm having this experience. I'm having a good time. Do I look ridiculous? Maybe. Do I care anymore? No. And it was just a a decision and it was small potatoes. Now, would I go to a My Morning Jacket concert like this? Probably not. That's some advanced level stuff that I'm not quite ready for. Would you go to a My Morning Jacket concert? Mm, Yeah. If, If I had a free ticket, I wouldn't buy a ticket to see it. Yeah, I don't think I'd go with a free ticket. If me and you were playing a show together and had a night off in Chicago and they were playing the Vic Theater and... what? wouldn't go you we, we would go we would go check it out i would not go i would go see somebody else 
I, I've I've already seen them, and uh, no reason for. Well, me bad to go example. Now. What if uh, you know Mumford and Sons was playing? I might go see that. Yeah, it'd be fun. just because I'm just because I've never seen them. But I I can tell you what <laughs> I think we would leave really soon. I think me and you would see it and get what it is, and then I don't think I could do ninety minutes of them playing floor toms and wearing suspenders. I, I don't think I could do it. Dude, the best thing that you and me have ever watched together was that fucking Muse concert. Yeah. That shit was insane. It was. Holy fuck. That was um, Golden State Park for Outside Lands. Yeah. That's like that's like you and me showing up at a fucking, at a goddamn orgy, and then this guy just walks in with the biggest, hardest dick in the world, and we're like, well, that's the dude that's got the biggest, hardest dick, and then we're just going to be over here doing our thing. Dude, here's the weirdest thing about, well, one of the weirdest things to me about San Francisco I took my, so we've toured there many times together. I've probably been there 25, 30 times on tour. And, but I took my wife there for a vacation who hasn't been there very much. And we're in the hate ashbury district, which the very end of the street, hate ashbury butts up right against the park, Golden Gate Park. And we're hanging out and going to shops. There's like, there used to be a record store there and stuff, Amoeba Records. <clears throat> and I said, it started, like the sun started to go down. And I was like, hey, listen, when it gets dark here, vampires come out of this park. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, Bob. Like, Golden Gate Park gets really dicey at night. And we just didn't time it right, man. We were trying to get some dinner, and it took a minute. And you could just see it. As the sun went down, demons came out of the fucking park. It was so scary because a lot of homeless people live in the park. And then when the sun goes down, they kind of roam around the Haight-Ashbury area. I always think about that when I'm in Golden Gate Park. Dude, this is all I know about San Francisco. Everybody's like, oh, San Francisco is the greatest. This is me in San Francisco walking. Like if you walk a mile, if, if you're in down if you're in the city of San Francisco downtown and you walk a mile, you'll just be walking and it'll be like beautiful shops, like really expensive shops, and everybody's fine. And then you'll go a block and, and all of a sudden the the temperature will drop a little bit. And then Literally, you'll do one more block and there'll be a guy standing there with a fucking hypodermic needle in his mouth. <laughs> and then if you look to your left, there's dude smoking crack. And then you walk a little, you walk another block and now there's people that are obviously just checked out on smack, lying in the streets after they just shot up. And then you'll walk another block and then the temperature will go up a, a degree and then you go another block and it's the most beautiful, like beautiful, uh, you know, block you can, you know, with like a Bloomingdale's and a, and a, you know, a fucking Louis Vuitton store. And then you walk another two blocks and then you're in this beautiful, like museum district with a beautiful park. And then you walk two more blocks. And now there's a fucking gang of like motorcycle dudes that you've got to walk the gauntlet of. And hopefully you don't get R and K'd. It's the craziest, weirdest, most fucked up. Like the 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 amount of weirdos and creeps and freaks and drug addicts in that town is mind boggling. It's crazy. I agree, but I'm also tempted to be like, that's just like most major cities I've been to. I mean, L A is like that too, man. L A. The the seedy stuff, the seediest stuff I've ever seen in a city that's not like Hartford or East St. Louis which are just complete shitholes. But the seediest stuff in like a nice city that I've seen, San Francisco's up there, but LA, dude, 
you can turn a few corners in West Hollywood and be living in some appetite for destruction shit. I know, but the but the difference is in all of those other cities, you're driving. So when you're driving, right? I mean, you drive through Philly, you'll drive through the most fu- like where you're you're not going to stop. You'll drive through areas of Philly where you're like, I don't give a fuck what this light says. I'm not slowing down. I'm moving. But in San Francisco, you're walking the whole time, and in places like New York City, where you where you also walk, the areas are pretty much like you know the area. I mean, now in New York City, there's really no place that's not safe in New York City. There used to be lots of little like dicey areas, and those are all gone now because it's just too expensive to live there. But in terms of just a walking city, holy shit, dude, San Francisco. I'll, I mean, because you you're walking there. Yeah, I agree. It's it. You're in the movie The Warriors before you know it. Is this is reminding me? I follow Jose Canseco on Twitter because he's just super insane. Like he is not tweeting anything ironically or humorously. He's just straight up insane. I guess he's trying to date, and he, I'm just going to read about four of these. They're pretty quick. It starts with, "It's okay if nine out of ten people don't understand you or have nothing in common with them. Nine out of ten people are alcoholics and drug addicts anyway." He's like going on a tirade about this. <laughs> Nine out of 10. And then he said, if my dating app read no alcoholics or drug addicts, I'd be single forever. The Omega Man. <laughs> and then he says, <laughs> he says, I might have to go to hell to find an angel. All right. He has two more. He says, the devil's daughter has less issues than some of the women I meet. And then he ends by saying, I wonder if aliens drink and do drugs. Maybe I'll try dating one. A female alien, of course. Oh my god! He's like really. Lost I like his that. Mind. I like. I like the fact that he has to say female alien. <laughs> oh my god! I got to see what this guy looks like. Jose Canseco. How do you spell his last name? C A N S E C O. He's su- He was a super famous baseball player, and just oh su- lost my his mind. god! He looks like he looks like a raging bull guy. Uh, De Niro. No, like you know, the guy he played in Raging Bull. Oh, but yeah. Like when right. he got when he got older. Right. Oh my God. It's weird to see crazy people on on the internet, like just being really crazy, like legitimately nuts. I mean, this guy definitely did steroids. Like, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. no doubt in the it was he was he was he busted with steroids or something. Well, no, he he got away with it. I may be getting some of the details wrong, but he wrote a tell-all book later about not only his drug use but also outed a lot of his a lot of other players. So he yeah. he kind of became a pariah in baseball. Yeah, cuz I mean you look at this guy and you're like oh, this that's not natural. That's steroids right there. And so he he owns a, a car wash, like it's like Joseco's Conzeco's you know rents a rents a dabble or whatever the fuck and he always tweets um he always invites people out. I mean he's obsessed with like aliens and the yeti and shit, but he always tweets Come to Jose Canseco's short-time car wash tomorrow from 11 to 12. Get a car wash and come get an autograph and get the cheapest gas in town. See you then. Because I guess they sell gas, too. Man, here's the problem with this guy. Like, at one point, he was a really cute, famous baseball player. And so he was just dating the hottest chicks in the world. Now, the problem is he's not that anymore. He's he's kind of a an old, weird-looking dude. And he still wants, he still thinks of himself as that guy yeah. from the 80s. Yeah. And so that, so he's wanting to date those same chicks he dated back then. And none of them are going to want to date him. And ah, it's so weird, man. It's like my big, I, I had this giant, I had this horrible fear 
in my 40s where I was like, man, I don't want to be that old guy who's single. Like, I love having a wife. I love not being available, not being single. Like, the idea of being some old guy trying to hook up is just so gross. Like, I'm just so glad. I'm so happy that I, I'm not that person. Like, fucking A-Rod or somebody. Yeah. I'm looking at a picture of A-Rod and J-Lo. Oh, my God. J-Lo. J-Lo's still hot, dude. J-Lo. How old is J-Lo? I don't know. She's got to be 50. Let me let me see how old this chick is. J-Lo. She was born in 69. She's 51. Dude, that's, she's still got it going on. Here's the only problem with J-Lo, though. She's been with A-Rod. She's been with Ben Affleck. Oh, she's been with who was the dude she was married to? Oh, oh no, Mark Anthony. Mark Anthony's had sex with five thousand women. So, if you have sex with J Lo, you're having sex with thousands and thousands of people. That's fine. No, it's not fine. Here's the deal about these famous ladies who they, they trounce around with a bunch of celebrities because they think that'll make them happy or that they can only relate to people who have a similar lifestyle. But I always think, like you know, J Lo is primed to fall in love with me now. Because she's had all the all the big boys at the top. And guess what a guy like me is going to do? Appreciate her, charm her, be real grateful that she's in my life, not going to mess around, and we'll love her. She's back together with Ben Affleck. So. Well, she's making a mistake because, not that I'm available, but a guy like me, you know, a, a, a normal guy that will love her. That's what she, she needs a Jose Canseco. Jose Canseco. I'm 100% true. Also, I will say this. How long have, how long have we been doing this show? A thousand episodes. I mean, we're, we're on like 250 or something. I finally found the perfect look. Look at look at what's going on over here with the mic. Uh-huh. This is the perfect mic position for me. Why? It just it, it first of all, it covers up my gray beard, which is good. Plus, I look good. And it's just the perfect position. I well, finally figured it out. Well, good. Listen, the tickets are for sale. Come see us live Monday night, 930 at the Saxon Pub in Austin, Texas. People are flying in from all over the country to come behold this miracle. Dude, you're going to see me with the perfect mic position when you come in. The tickets are 15 bucks, 10 to 15 bucks. And uh, you're going to get to see Bishniz and Clint Wells in person. It's going to be a nice time. We're going to kick it to the Secret Weekly. Now, if you want to come hang with us in the Secret Weekly, you can join us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. Slash the letters I OK, and we will see you next week on the flippity floppity. Bye. Bye. <laughs>